0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's BYTE.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with BYTE. We get into the latest regarding the four kidnapped Americans in Mexico with legendary DEA agents Javier Pena and Steve Murphy, the men who brought down Pablo Escobar. Welcome to Sidebar, presented by Law and Crime. I'm Jesse Weber. I have covered a lot of stories at Law & Crime. And if there's one thing I can tell you, you gotta stay safe. And that is where Palm Pepper Spray can really help. This is a discreet but powerful personal defense tool. Palm pepper spray shoots up to 12 feet using the strongest legal formula of pepper spray. Super safe, easy to use, ready to fire. All you got to do is just point and spray. And here's the best part. We have a promo code for you. That's right. Save 10% by using promo code lawcrime10 at palmpepperspray.com. And always remember to call 911 if you see someone in trouble. We want to get into this story out of Mexico. Several days ago, four Americans appeared to be kidnapped by what is believed to be drug cartel members. This is a story that has gained national attention. It's brought the conversation back to all the violence that we're seeing in that region of the world. And literally, as we were about to come on air and discuss the fate of this these missing Americans, it has come to our attention that two of the four individuals have been found dead, and the other two have been found alive with one with apparent wounds. This coming from Tamaulipas Governor, Americo Villarreal. Again, this is a developing story, so the details could change once this ultimately airs, but we are reporting everything that we know at the time of this recording. The four Americans were identified as Zindel Brown, Eric James Williams, Latavia Tay McGee, and Shaid Woodard. Now, it's being reported that sadly Woodard and Brown were found dead, while McGee and Williams have survived and are back in the United States. Apparently, Washington was seeking a tummy tuck surgery in Mexico. The four apparently drove in a white minivan with North Carolina plates into Matamoros, Tamaulipas, Mexico. This is less than five miles away from Brownsville, Texas. So when we talk about how close this was to the United States, you can kind of see that. It's been reported that the cartel gunman opened fire, kidnapped these four people, and one Mexican citizen was killed in the process. Although we're not sure if she was killed in the gunfight or as part of this. It is being reported also that this might be a case of mistaken identity namely that the cartel were thinking these were Haitian drug smugglers. Now, there is a video circulating online of armed men moving people into a white van. It seems to match the description of the incident. Uh, it hasn't been confirmed, though, that these were the four missing Americans or the, current, the found Americans. But we're going to play this video for you nonetheless. You see one woman pushed into the vehicle. Two limp people are dragged as well. Just really horrifying to watch this. Now, the FBI was offering a $50,000 reward for the American safe return and the arrest of the gunmen involved. A lot to talk about here. We want to get into these latest developments, so I want to bring in two very special guests who can address this situation, and we're also going to get more into the current cartel situation as well. I want to bring on DEA special agents Steve Murphy and Javier Pena. These are the men who took down Pablo Escobar, Their stories were featured in the hit show Narcos, so for any of Narcos fans, you know who I'm talking about right now. You can check them out at their website, www.deanarcos.com. Then there's their book, Manhunters, How We Took Down Pablo Escobar. Autographed, personalized copies can be ordered through the website. They also have a worldwide keynote speaking tour where they talk more about the true story regarding the downfall of Pablo Escobar. And in fact, it's their eighth year doing this, so you can check them out there. And you can also check them out on their weekly true crime podcast, Game of Crimes. Gentlemen, it is great to have you both here, and thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Thank you, Jesse. We appreciate you having us on. I'd like to get your immediate reaction
0: to this. I mean, we we have these Americans who were taken hostage close to Brownsville, Texas. Uh, Javier, I'll start with you. What's your reaction to what we just heard, this breaking news, the tragic news about these four Americans?
2: It, it, you know what? Just it is a tragedy, and first of all, you know we feel for the families. You know the families and uh, their suffering. Uh, the two persons uh, that are alive right now. It, it, you know what? Just I'm gonna have to say it's it's a common occurrence right now. I'm I'm from the border area. Uh, I've worked the Southwest border for a long time. I have a lot of friends in law enforcement. In this situation is getting more common every day where people go, they cross. And I hear stories where they don't come back. Uh, They're stopped on the roadway for money. They don't have money. They kill them. They are stopped for the express kidnappings where someone will, uh, it's just within, within an hour. We need Ten thousand, fifteen thousand dollars wired. I just heard an incident where a young, uh, well, teenager bought a new truck. Went to Novo Laredo to celebrate. He's at a restaurant celebrating. Traffickers come in and say, hey, our boss likes your truck, so either give us your, your truck or we take your life. You know, so gave him the truck. But it's it's getting to be a common occurrence, people crossing to Mexico, especially around this busy uh, border areas, the Nuevo Laredo, the Matamoros, the, the Juarez in El Paso. And they're targeting uh, this people. Now, as you say, there's a video in and I, you know, it, I think these people were getting targeted, but it could be a targeting by mistake. They thought there were other people, but, but again, to, to kill and, uh, kidnap this two persons, is just, it's, it's out of control in Mexico right now. Jesse.
0: I, I want to get into more of the current situation there, what this means overall, but Steve, going back to this, I have to tell you, it, it seems almost a miracle that two people survived, right? I mean, in, in general... This was breaking news. I was going to talk to you, gentlemen, about what the cooperation between the United States government and Mexican authorities are going to be. Steve, are you surprised that we have two people who, who, who have survived this? I mean, walk me through what you think was happening behind the scenes between both governments.
1: Well, it's, uh, as far as the act itself, it's obvious from the video that these guys don't hesitate to, to pull the trigger for nothing. You know, the fact that three were shot, three of the four were shot, just trying to get them stopped, it was, it's almost indicative that they wanted to kill everybody. I think it's a miracle that the female in the group was not injured. Um, and you can see in the video, one individual that they drug over to the pickup truck tried to raise his head a little bit. So, you know, we're not sure if he's one of the deceased or if he's still the wounded person that was down there. What really struck me about that video is there was no sense of urgency for them to gather up those people and get away. You know, they, they were taking their time. You didn't see anybody standing around, looking around, like to see if anybody was responding. You could see other traffic driving right by them. I mean, almost within touching distance of those vehicles they were in, which is just it just shows you how it really is down there. They control what's going on down there. I'm sure that the Mexican police, Mexican military will respond, but I'm not sure as as urgently as maybe we would here in the United States. I mean, we've seen that uh, most times they are outgunned. They're overpowered by the weaponry that the bad guys have. The fact that the United States is working with Mexico, I'd love to hear that. Little hesitant to believe that 100% because we know that President Lopez Obrador is somewhat reluctant to take on the the criminal groups there, especially the drug cartels.
0: Let's talk about that, Javier, because there are reports of corruption in the Mexican police department. And, you know, I, I couldn't tell from our initial reporting, again, at the time of this reporting, If anybody was arrested or any of the people who were involved in this were taken down, were they arrested, were they killed any of the armed gunmen? If they were not, how much do you think there's going to be a push to try to figure out who did this? And if you can also speak to what Steve was alluding to as well, when you look at the video... They didn't feel the heat on them. Right. And so I thought that was a really interesting observation. Walk us through what the if the levels of corruption that might be in that area.
2: Well, you know what? Uh, The corruption is is everything right now in Mexico. We know about it. And I just got to preface it. You know what? A couple of weeks ago, the leading federal guy in charge of the police was found uh, guilty of corruption. And this guy was the leader in New York City in Genaro Garcia Luna. So that tells us during the trial that the corruption is from the top all the way down. It's endemic. It's been around (laughs) since I remember, you know, being a young agent going to work in uh, in Mexico. So it's they pay off the police you know uh they'll, they'll pay off whoever they they can and it is just it's been a, a problem it it always has been a problem now as far as the the kidnappings and you know what uh one thing that i think helped is the the media coverage where you have the President of Mexico going out on TV. so this traffickers know whoa oh, wow, we think uh, we screwed up here by killing, kidnapping, attempting whether it was a mistake, whether it was not a mistake, it was targeting. But I think the media coverage has helped. Uh, that these traffickers know, wow, we're we're not going to be able to just dump the body, the body somewhere, burn them, you know, bury them, because they're going to be on us. So it's like I said, that that's a good thing that the media coverage was there. And you know, the cooperation, as Steve alluded to, it's been bad. <laughs> it's it's, and I don't think. The cooperation is there right now. They're trying to say it is, and I'll be honest, you know, I talk to people that, you know, they're, they're still, the cooperation is not there right now. I'm surprised, I'm gladly, I'm happily surprised that they did find, you know, the, the two people, uh, at least, you know, we have a couple of bodies uh, left. But uh, again, you know, they've paid off whoever they can, and uh, if they don't abide. What happens to them, law enforcement? They get killed. And we know that the media also, a lot of times the media in Mexico is afraid to report this because of
0: retribution. Right. And so, so just to follow up that real quick, Javier. You don't think you think this might be the end of the story in terms of finding out who did this? We might not see any developments. Is that a possibility?
2: That's a possibility, but I think there's too much coverage, there's too much priority that they're going to have to come up with something and say, We've captured them, we've arrested them, we killed the perpetrators. Because the spotlight right now is on Mexico, as you know. We're you know, we're hearing from politicians, so they're going
0: to have to do something, yes. Okay, well, Steve let's go back to this. These were four individuals who seemingly took this trip to try to get healthcare, cheaper healthcare in Mexico. We know that the US State Department has issued a level four do not travel advisory warning against going into that area. It seems that there was a a knowledge of what was going on there, but how often do we see Americans not listening to that Going in there for whatever reason, I mean is there is there any way that we can prevent this from happening in the future and we'll talk about whether or not the violence will expand out of the region, but for now, what else can be done to prevent people from going there?
1: Wow, you know, I wish I had that answer, Jesse, just to save American lives. you know the, I mean one of the biggest concerns right now is spring break. you know how many college students are going to go to that what's that beach resort? I think they refer to it as Baghdad Beach. Uh, down there in in Tamaulipas, right across the border, you know, people need to take it seriously. The State Department doesn't issue those level four warnings frivolously. I mean, they'll do everything they can to not issue it because they want to develop relations with the countries that that affects. And I mean, that's just their diplomatic mission. But Here's one of the big concerns that, that Javier and I have just recently discovered through a friend of ours, is you know we're all familiar with the, med- the uh, counterfeit medications that the Mexican cartels send up to the United States that contain fentanyl, right? And we're seeing hundreds of thousands of deaths because of this. Well, now here's the latest trend. I'm not sure that you've even heard about Jesse. What the cartels doing down there are doing down there now is the drugstores that Americans frequent to go down and get cheaper prescriptions or even get medications that are not. Re- do not require a prescription in Mexico that do in the United States. They're replacing legitimate meds with counterfeit meds that contain fentanyl to continue killing the people that come down there and get it. That's a whole new trend that's that's just come out recently. So Harvey and I are big big proponents of education, and that's informing everybody, especially our children, right? But, I mean, we're seeing people still going down there, and and they went down for a, a presumably innocent reason and whether it was mistaken identity or or what, I mean, you come in a, in a minivan with North Carolina tags, you stick out like a sore thumb, right? I, I really wish there was a way we could get the word to all Americans and say, just stop it, stop it. Until this violence stops along the border and into Mexico against American citizens, what's uh, there's, uh, there's no way to stop it that I can think of right now.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, there's one thing about selling... Toxic drugs into the United States that harms and kills people, but people going to an area presumably to get cheaper medication, not knowing that that itself is dangerous and toxic. That's a That's a whole different area. And Steve, I want to ask. I want to ask both you guys. I'll, Steve, I'll start with you, Steve. So I don't know if you guys saw this, but former Attorney General Bill Barr he penned an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, and he basically said that the cartels need to be treated like Islamic terrorist groups. And he said that the Mexican government is like the fifth hostage. "Quote: The Mexican government is being held hostage by tens of thousands of paramilitary members of terrorist organizations that effectively control Mexico. It's pretty close at this stage to a failed narco state. They can use violence and oceans of cash to corrupt the government. The government has no." Way will. It doesn't have the ability to deal with the cartels. And he went on to say that Americans killed by Mexican traffic drugs is almost the same thing as the amount of servicemen we lost in World War II. I wanted to get your thoughts on that.
1: Well, I have to say I do agree with with his assessment. I think we should designate the Mexican drug cartels as terrorist organizations, identify terrorist organizations, and they should be treated with the same sanctions that we would uh, impose on any terrorist organization worldwide. It's... it's uh, That last question about, should we go in and do something? I would love to, but you have to keep in mind you're invading a sovereign country. Now we had, you know, back in our day when we were after Pablo Escobar, we did have uh, American special operators down there working with us in Medellin for 18 months. But that was was at the invitation of the government of Colombia. There have been other operations uh, back when Javier and I were still in the job in which we had credible information where uh, Chapo Guzman was uh, in his mountain retreat, and everybody said, "Well, you can't get there because it's so remote." Well, our operators are trained to get to places like that; they're the best in the world. Those are the guys that Javier and I make no bones about. If we're ever kidnapped, that's who I want to come and get me because I've seen what their capabilities are, and they are fantastic. So, are we, you know, given? Are we, are we willing to invade our, a country that borders our country under the current leadership in Mexico? I mean, the hugs for thugs. Uh, propaganda that their president is putting out down there is having zero effect. It's just making the cartels more and more powerful. How many more Americans have to die in the United States before we get serious about it and do something along the border?
0: So it almost seems to me like he is suggesting conducting joint u s Mexican operations in Mexico to fight the cartels like they're terrorists what'd you think about that
2: you know what we have tried to work with the Mexican government I remember I was a young agent when our our agent, Kike Camarena, was abducted and killed back in 1984, and I was a young agent. They sent me to go to Mexico to work for you know, the capture of the abductors, but there was really not a lot of cooperation. In and out throughout my career, I had a lot of dealings with Mexico. And it's always there's always a game. Yeah, we're going to work together. That that never happens. I wish we were able to do like Steve said in Colombia, where Colombia invited us. They requested us. I wish Mexico would do that. It's not. It's all the political power of the Mexican government, which, you know, I hate to say it. I am not. I haven't seen it. And, you know, I agree with the assessment that this cartels are terrorist organizations. We're starting to see the our U.S. citizens, obviously, with a fentanyl problem, traffickers coming into the United States. We're starting to see that. And, you know, it's been happening for a long time. And a lot of this, like I said, these crimes are not reported in Mexico. Uh, so we need to step up, get better. How do we? How do we tell Mexico take some of their foreign aid? Right, money is always. You know, uh, we give them a lot of foreign aid, and in my opinion, we're not getting that that return that we need to so i think our government has to get stronger and this people like said they don't care i tell people the mexican traffickers they don't care who dies who gets killed as long as their dope is crossed into the united states they make a buck that's what they're in it for for the money
0: steve i i had the chance to speak with derek maltz about a few weeks ago maybe a month or so ago and, and his description of the cartels is that if i remember correctly and understand it correctly it might be worse than it's ever been. And, and it seems to me that from when you guys operated to now, what is the difference? We talked a little bit. You talked about how people go down to Mexico and they don't, they're they thinking they're going to get cheap drugs that will help them. And it's actually not the case. They're being sold poison. But now, uh, you know, the introduction of fentanyl, which is this new crisis in the re- last several years. Walk us through what the, how the situation has changed right now um, as we, you know, to understand this moving forward
1: the biggest i mean the the violence was there with the colombians you know it's been depicted in all the tv shows and the narco series and everything and it was true i mean it was extremely violent times i think the big difference here is the proximity of mexico to the united states versus colombia to the united states they're in our back door you know the the violence has spilled over into the united states there's there's incidents regularly uh, especially along the border where they come into the United States and they're doing their thing to enforce their will upon the, the poor people that are living that close to the border. The, uh, to me, the question is how many Americans are we going to have to die before we really get serious about protecting the southern border? And what I was going to say a while ago, the, you know people used to ask us about the wall. The wall, it would help. It's not a one solution to the entire problem. We build a wall and they're going to stop coming across. They're going to find ways to come across. You got to remember, that the the narco traffickers have much more money and they have no rules. You know, we have taxpayer dollars and the U.S. Constitution. That's what separates us from them. That's called, you know, I I don't mean to sound like I'm preaching, but that's the rule of law. That's what we operate under here in the United States. I don't see that in Mexico. They may spout that from Mexico City, from the presidential palace and, and their Congress. But when the reality comes around and you see what's going along in all these places and it's going unaddressed, you know, Chapo Guzman's son went to be arrested and a major firefight ensued and the president ordered the Mexican troops and police to stand down and it was to save lives. But you're just giving into the narcotics, trade. You're giving into the criminals when you do that.
0: Yeah. And, and Javier, I'll give you the final word. We have about a minute left. Th- this area where all this happened, I think we've made it very clear how dangerous it actually is. The one question I have is, Is this controlled by one cartel or are there multiple cartels competing? Because remember, if we believe this was mistaken identity and they thought these were Haitian drug smugglers, clearly they wanted to not have them operate there. Walk us through if there's any conflicts in that region um, and, and what we should be understanding.
2: Yeah, great question. The, the turf wars, the plazas, they call them, who runs the plazas, the turf, basically. Before, it was more bigger, organized cartels. Now we're seeing more independent uh type cartels we've seen this cartel leaders get taken down Chapo. uh we've seen other cartel leaders get killed so they're starting to follow the colombian traffickers as far as smaller more independent Try to be less uh, publicized. Uh, however, they are still using the violence, and they are still using the corruption. We see it on a daily basis. And they, what what's going on with the Mexican cartels is they flaunt the violence. They'll show it. They'll put it on TV. They'll hang bodies. They'll put uh heads so people can be intimidated and then they come in with the money so that's the difference they're still out there they're more independent and they're you know the the plaza situation the traffickers, they're they're making money and they'll use whatever violence they can.
0: What a horrible, horrible situation. But Javier, Steve, I appreciate you coming on, talking about this as we're hearing this, this, this tragic update with these four Americans. Um, really, thank you for educating all of us on what's happening there. And I encourage everyone to check out your podcast, your tour, your book, your website. Uh, and gentlemen, I said this to you off air, I'll say it to you on air as well. Thank you so much for the work that you've done and for your service uh, to trying to really stop such an evil that is happening in the world. Thank you both.
1: Thank you very much, Jesse. Yeah,
0: thank you too, Jesse. Appreciate it. And that's all we have for you here on Sidebar, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jesse Weber. I'll speak to you next time.